0: There have been several significant moments in my life. When I think about it, going to college was a very significant moment. To leave home, I grew up in New York State and I went to college in Tennessee. So it was a very big deal. And um, I wouldn't be home until Christmas when I, I remember I went in July. I wouldn't be home until Christmas. That was a very big deal for 18-year-old Lori. Also, getting married was a very significant moment in my life. Um, nowadays, marriage isn't seen as much of a big deal if you're already living as married beforehand, but for Charles and I, it's a very big deal, and it was a very happy change in our lives. Thinking back, our wedding weekend was one of the happiest times of my life. It was just such a joyous celebration. However, the most significant moments of my life thus far have definitely been the birth of our children. We have two, Lily and Nathaniel, they're six and four now. I chose to, well, we chose to have them at home. So it was definitely the most natural experience ever, um, which I wanted. It was also about the most excruciating experience ever. Um, Both children took a while to come forth. Both of them took over 24 hours from when labor began, so it was a bit of a marathon. And Nathaniel started pushing on two days, but when they were finally here, I was holding them. Immediately, it was the best day of my life. Immediately, it was the most meaningful day of my life when I had our children. Now for many pregnant women, when they start ticking down the days to when their babies will be born, if they're able to, many women, start becoming a flurry of activity because we have to get ready we have to be prepared and so maybe they're sorting clothes for the fifth time making sure that the diapers are all arranged the bassinets the car seats maybe putting meals into the freezer they want to be ready be prepared for the arrival of their babies and so ideally as soon as labor starts we can just focus on bringing forth the baby as everything is prepared. They're ready for their new addition. Now Jesus tells us, in First Thessalonians 5:3, the, that the events leading to a second coming will be like labor pains, as in, once labor truly starts, it's not going to end until one way or another, there is a baby. So it will be at the second coming of Jesus. When the times are right, when the final events start, they will not stop until he appears in the clouds. Now, Jesus' first coming had plenty of signs leading to it as well. There's dozens of prophecies that pointed to facts that Jesus would be of the line of David. Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Jesus would be born of a virgin. And then we have the birth of John the Baptist, which was miraculous. Zacharias and Elizabeth were elderly. They were old. It's similar to the story of Abraham and Sarah, where elderly folks have a baby. That's miraculous. Zacharias was part of the priesthood. Surely rumors and rumblings were going around in circles of, huh, what's going on? So those with their spiritual antenna up must have been thinking, huh, these are different times that we're living in. But unfortunately for the Jewish nation, they as a people did not make their preparations to welcome the Messiah. And as a nation, they completely missed the birth. Of Jesus. They let themselves get consumed with the world and thereby they lost out on the greatest event to date. What a tragedy, and what a double tragedy if we as a people make the same mistake for Jesus' second coming. We're going to look a bit at what the church and the world were like at the time of Jesus' birth. In doing so, there's rich lessons for us today on the brink of the second coming. We're gonna look at some of the classic verses from Jesus's birth, but we're not gonna walk all the way through it because we know the story. But we're gonna see what we can gain about what the world was like at that time. So first we're gonna turn to Luke two, one to five. Luke chapter two, verses one to five. Perhaps you have these verses memorized. Luke two, verse one. And it came to pass in those days who was with child. So we're very familiar with these verses. In those days, all the people were to be registered, or some uh, variations called a census. A census was taken of the whole Roman world. So in those days. Now we don't know the precise date of Jesus' birth, but most scholars agree that it's around 4 or 5 BC. Now in the year 4 BC, Herod the Great dies. And this of course is the Herod who spoke to the magi and we know that he died very shortly after that event So when we pick the year 4 BC, we can be I think quite confident that we are within a year of Jesus's birth Now to illustrate what life was like with King Herod the Great Herod the Great was the king set up by the Romans. So he's very much a Roman puppet leader there in Judea and to illustrate kind of what he was like as a person, there was an event that happened in 4 BC um, around the time of Passover. So there were rumblings going around that Herod was dying. He was old, he was not doing well, but the rumors were going around that he was actively dying. So several, two Roman revolutionaries decided that they would go to the temple, and at the entrance of the temple, there was a golden eagle image that Herod had set up and many of the Jews resented it. They felt it was a idol, perhaps. But so they decided, these two folks decided that they would go and cut down that eagle image as a sign of revolution. He's dying, times are changing. Now, when I was reading about it, the idea that I got was perhaps there was an archway across the entrance of the temple and that's where the image was, I'm not sure. But either way, it was at the entrance of the temple. So they go and they cut down this image, egged on by others, Unfortunately for them, Herod was not yet at his deathbed, and he got wind of what happened, and he, of course, was upset. So he decided to have those two men Captured and they were publicly burned alive for what they did. And at least 40 other people associated with them were also executed. So he was not a nice man. And of course, he is the Herod that has all baby boys, two years old and younger, killed in Bethlehem. He kills one of his wives, he kills his firstborn son. Anyone that he felt was a threat to his rule, he just killed. So that was the type of person he was. Now, when he did actually die, there was a time of civil unrest. It was the time of Passover. Thousands of people were coming to Jerusalem and people were gathering, demanding change and complaining and protesting. Um, Herod's son, one of his sons, Archelaus, was his immediate successor. He was 19 and the people were protesting and gathering in Moms. So Archelaus sent some soldiers to calm every do- one down. The Jews stone the soldiers. Archelaus retaliates. 3,000 Jewish people die that day in Jerusalem. And Passover is canceled. Tells everyone to go home. Now, this happens again a few weeks later at Pentecost. Again, thousands of people coming to Jerusalem for the festival. The Roman garrison gets overrun. Again, the soldiers go back. Thousands of people die. The Jewish historian Josephus says that 10,000 other similar occurrences happened throughout Judea. Whether it was not 10,000 or not, we don't know, but a lot, a lot of unrest. There were at least three people who rose to claim kinship. Kingship by popularity will be king, we have a following. They burned down the um, temple, not the temple, the royal residence in Jericho. They burned down other royal residences around the countryside. To say that it was a time of violence and unrest is an understatement. Finally, Archelaus calls for help from Syria, and they send down 2,000 soldiers to calm everything down in Judea. So this is all happening in 4 BC. So this was an intensely violent and turbulent time. These situations continue through the years that Jesus is growing up. Archelaus ruled in Jerusalem until 6 AD when he was removed by Rome because of his cruelty and his inability to get along with the Jews. Jerusalem is then ruled directly by Roman governors, i.e. people like Pontius Pilate. While Galilee and the surrounding regions are divided amongst the other Herods. There's Herod Antipas who was in Galilee and he is the Herod that um, Jesus sees during his trial there's Philip, there's also later Agrippa, who is named King later in the time of Acts. So all these rules, though, by the surrounding leaders, tetrarchs, Herods, are marked also by insurrections and immorality. It's just a mess of a time. Now this all gives perspectives of how the Romans would have viewed any large gatherings. Think of Jesus, the countryside, feeding of the 5,000, and we know there were more than 5,000 people there. How would Rome have viewed that? With suspicion, certainly. One can also see why the people embraced the idea of a Jewish Messiah who would deliver them from Roman oppression and set up their own Jewish rule. It makes sense. However, unfortunately, the church embraced this idea as well, without any scriptural foundation. They joined, the church joined with the political agendas and gave them credence by teaching them as truth. In such, the scribes, the rabbis, the church leaders do an incredibly damning disservice to the people by leading them to believe what was not true. It was particularly horrible because it was leading the people to reject the true Messiah and Jesus by teaching these false ideas. So as well as teaching the unbiblical view of the Messiah, what else can we learn about the state of God's church at the time of the first coming? Let's continue in Luke chapter 2. We're going to go down to 8 through 12. So still in Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 12. Luke 2 verse 8, again familiar verses. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. So, in those days, it was to shepherds that the angels announced the birth of Jesus. To shepherds. Now, who were shepherds in the time of Jesus? Shepherds were some of the most despised people. I did not realize this. Shepherds were incredible, they were seen as low caste, bottom of the barrel in the social standing. They were viewed as sinners by the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders. In the Mishnah, um, which is a record of the oral laws of the Jews, it says there, if you happen to go around and you see a shepherd who's fallen into a pit, just walk on by. He probably deserves to be there anyway. Don't, don't, don't bother to help him. They, it also says to: if you do not buy wool or milk directly from a shepherd, because the assumption is that it would be stolen. So they had not a high opinion of shepherds and they were viewed as sinners. Of course, Jesus, what was Jesus accused of? Eating with tax collectors and sinners. So at the birth of Christ, the religious leaders were completely passed over when the angels sought who to share the greatest news of their time. The state of organized religion was so backwards that God chose the ones who the church despised to announce the greatest news of all time. The church has it had institutionalized a loveless and prejudiced attitude we get another view of the state of the church from the visit of the magi now we're going to go to Matthew chapter 2 back to books to Matthew Matthew chapter 2 Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 to 3 we'll start out with Matthew 2 1 to 3 So not only did God announce his coming to the bottom of the barrel shepherds, he also announced it to complete strangers and foreigners. In those days, it was strangers who came to Jerusalem. Their presence, their knowledge was a complete rebuke to the religious leaders of Israel. For their degrees were not in theology, but perhaps in philosophy, science, and history. These Learned men went on a journey rather similar also to that of Abraham. This was so interesting to me Abraham, it's similar. The birth of John the Baptist is similar to the experience of Abraham and also the journey of the magi They didn't know where they were going They probably assumed Israel, but they didn't know where they they would end up and they're just following the star in the night by faith It's a rather incredible story its end to worship a baby they knew to be the Messiah King as we continue in Matthew 2 we continue the story here in verse 5 or verse 4 and onward so they get to Jerusalem and when he Herod had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born so they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea for thus it is written by the prophet But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So, the scribes knew where the Messiah would be born. They tell the king, and the king tells the magi where to go. So they knew. They knew where the Messiah was to be born. But there's no indication in scripture that anyone else goes to Bethlehem, not even out of curiosity. They were so stuck in their traditional views of the Messiah and could not comprehend that anything could be different. Jesus' birth set up what a contrast his mission was going to be, such a contrast to what the popular opinion was. We see at Jesus' first coming that he comes for all men, a devout young Jewish girl in Mary, the low caste shepherds, the highly educated and wealthy foreigners not only does jesus come for all people from all nationalities and economic standing he personally identifies them identifies with them he comes to a poor family his family is so poor that when he is dedicated at the temple they can't even afford a lamb but they sacrificed the two turtle doves they were so poor as jesus later starts his earthly ministry as an adult It must have sent shockwaves through the religious leaders when he describes himself as the good shepherd. My sheep know me. They follow me. I am the door to the sheep gate. How astounding it must have been to see a religious leader like Jesus identifying and embracing folks such as the tax collectors and shepherds. Unfortunately, instead of softening the hearts of the leaders, the religious leaders hated him even more for his teachings. The years surrounding Jesus' birth and later his earthly ministry were tumultuous. Times of violence, political strife, and a time where the people were earnestly seeking change and hope. How difficult it must have been for the average family just trying to get by. How appealing the idea of a new Jewish political leader would have been to those people. But Jesus brought something even better. He says his kingdom is not of this world he was interested in eternal life not the temporal life here on this earth just think of what God was trying to show his people at Jesus's birth angels visit Zechariah and the miraculous birth of John the Baptist angel visits dreams to Mary and Joseph angel visits angels visit the shepherds dreams and signs to the magi and then there's a literal new star in the sky surely others could have seen the star i mean in these days we could probably have a whole constellation and most of us wouldn't notice it but those folks were much more in tune and didn't have the artificial light and entertainment we had so surely others saw the star in the sky but unfortunately most of the people either did not notice or chose not to care and the majority definitely passed him by because they were too consumed with this world too consumed with the mainstream teachings Of this world so that was in those days what about these days our world is on edge is it not our country is consumed in politics is it not violence is rampant our country is looking for a fix from a president from the scientists from a unifying religious leader just as in the time of Jesus we today are looking for hope as well we're looking for peace and happiness and the most of us are not finding it Look at our state of mental health today. Look at the suicide and domestic violence rates, child abuse, abortion. We are a disturbed people with no foundation anymore. We need the angel message today of peace on earth, goodwill toward man. However, the only means for lasting peace on earth is to have goodwill to all men. And the only way that's possible is to be connected with Jesus, our source of peace. We need his peace, and only he can bring everlasting peace. It it has occurred to me that since this coronavirus situation started, the only thing I've really wanted was for life to go back to normal, right? Just go back to the way things were, can we do that? Um, I'm tired of not being able to take my kids to the library. Everything being canceled, and it's all speaking humanly, of course. Um, it's inconvenient. Life has become very inconvenient. We can't do what we want to do um, like we normally want to do. However, it's also occurred to me that normal is not the answer. And in fact, trying to live life as normal can spell destruction. I'm thinking of Matthew 24. We can go there. These verses came to mind in Matthew 24 verse 37 and onward about the problem of trying to just live normally matthew 24 verse 37 but as the days of noah were so also will the coming of the son of man be for as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day that noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be." So there's nothing inherently wrong with eating and drinking and getting married, normal activities, but for the generation of the flood, there was something wrong with that because life was not normal. Life was not normal. There was a massive ark being built There was Noah and others preaching and warning them make preparations to bring your family to the ark. A flood is coming. The world is ending. Get ready. And then finally, the animals are coming. It's time to go. Get in the ark. And for those living their life as normal, they were destroyed. They did not make it because times were not normal. We are not living in normal times either, brothers and sisters. We cannot be so wrapped up in politics, the news, that we fool ourselves into thinking that life is just going to go back to normal and just going to continue on. We need to look below the surface and recognize the great forces at work in this world. The second coming of Jesus is at hand. It is soon. And just as in the first coming, most will not be ready. Will we? Where's our focus today? Are we like the Roman world? At the time of Jesus' birth, immersed in politics, trusting in political parties, and I didn't even touch on morality. Rome was an incredibly immoral society, and we are no better. We may sanitize our violence and our immorality, but we are just as bad, if not worse. Are we like the Jewish religious leaders? They knew their Bibles. They told the wise men where to go. But they were unmoved to look at it for themselves. Their pride would not accept that God could speak to strangers or to low people. Now, knowing our Bibles is important. It's extremely important. It will save us from many deceptions, especially in the last days. But it's more important to have the heart of the God of the Bible. In the days of Jesus' birth, God spoke to the humble and the earnest in heart. Jesus says to us, after all, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. A devout young lady and Mary, poor laboring shepherds, foreigners with sincere hearts, their experiences with God changed their lives and changed the world, for we're still reading about it 2,000 years later. It's remarkable to think how the shepherds and the wise men recognized in a baby the Savior of the world. They recognized their Savior. Matthew 1.21, She shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus did not come to save us from governments or disease or strife he came to save us from sin and eternal death As a mother makes preparations for her coming child what preparations are you making for the coming of Jesus? Is your house in order is your life in order is your focus on the things of God or are you consumed with the things of the world? Ultimately nothing we do makes us fit for Jesus, but rather it is in knowing him. There's no better time than today to spend time with Christ. I recently saw someone promoting a one-year Bible. It's a Bible um, set up so you get through the entire Bible in a year. I thought that was a great idea. Sometimes we need that external plan, that external motivation to get us into the Word of God. Our church is also going to go through the Conflict of the Ages series. That's a great thing to do, to make the conscious effort and um, preparations to get into the Word of God and prayer. We need to consciously take the time to develop a relationship with him. Because if we don't, the world will inevitably take up that time. Satan has a thousand other things for us to do rather than pray or read the Bible. We have to make him our priority. Jesus is worth traveling deserts and miles in the dark like the Magi. He's worth facing the ridicule of family and friends like Mary Shirley did. He's worth whatever the cost. Now, I'll never forget the birth of my children. I'll never forget seeing them for the first time. Remember, Lily came out, she kind of gave him a little squeak, and I held her, and she was so sweet and at peace. When Nathaniel came out, he immediately started screaming. <laughs> but I was just as delighted to see his grumpy little face because he was my baby, and I loved him so much. I was delighted to see him. It had been nine months of planning and wondering and thinking, what will these little people be like? I was delighted to see them. Did you know Jesus is delighted in you? He wants to come so bad and take us home. He wants that more than anything. Amen. One day soon, the sky will split open. And the one who was a baby born in obscurity and a man who died in disgrace will birth fo- burst forth gloriously as king of kings and lord of lords. And it will be done. This world will be over. It will be done. Will we be, de- be delighted and so excited to see the Lord? Or will we be frightened and unprepared? It will just be one or the other. It is my prayer for all of us that by God's grace we'll look up and say, in the words of Isaiah, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him and we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Come, Lord Jesus. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, you want to be with us so badly. You want to take us out of this mess of this world, take us to heaven. But you delay, Lord, because you want us to be ready. One day it will be done, and you will come. I pray, Father, for every person here, every family represented, that we will be spending time with you, loving you, and our greatest delight will be in you. So that when you come in the clouds, we will be so excited you're finally here Lord you know our hearts please keep speaking to our hearts come into our hearts that we may be ready that we will take our focus from the distractions that Satan just sends our way that we will be those who are herald your second coming we thank you Lord for this time of year where we spend the world as a whole focuses a little bit more on you may we take advantage of that And may we know that you are the greatest gift of all. Thank you, Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.